Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage Success Radio Show number 475, reworking time to boost productivity, diversity and well-being. Today we're going to be talking about rethinking our approach to how we manage working time. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Helen Beedham, who's author of The Future of Time, How Reworking Time Can Help You Boost Productivity, Diversity and Wellbeing. So welcome, Helen. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, Jo. Really delighted to be on the show. Excellent. So start by telling us a bit, sorry, start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So I work as an independent organizational expert and advisor. I'm also a speaker, a podcaster, and an author. And my background, a large part of my career, I spent working in management consulting, helping organizations in the private and public sector to get the most out of people, to improve their organizations. And a lot of my work was actually around researching, measuring, and helping to increase levels of employee engagement. So the common thread throughout my career is finding out what makes people tick at work generally and in life more broadly, and how to create organizations where people can really flourish and deliver at their best. And I look specifically at how we can create work cultures that enable people to feel really engaged, really enthusiastic, and really able to perform um, at the highest levels. Lovely. Thank you. And so today we're talking about time and how the concept of time at work is changing. Um, and so tell us a bit more about that and, and why it's relevant to employee engagement. Yeah, sure. And I guess I would preface what I'm about to say with I'm talking mainly here and in my book, The Future of Time, about knowledge-based businesses, although much of the messages and advice is applicable to other organizations and to place-based work. This is really particularly relevant to uh, organizations where knowledge is the main asset. Um, so what's mm. changing around our concept of time? Well, you know, you don't have to go that far back pre-pandemic really to remember a time when work was pretty much dictated by office hours, nine to five, eight to six, whatever was common in your industry. But since then, it's rapidly become far more fluid uh, more asynchronous people logging on and off at different times 
and actually a lot more personalized to the individual or to the team. And we've also seen, obviously, during the pandemic, uh, that boundaries between work and home have blurred substantially. And in fact, work is something we do from anywhere, not, not just a particular place or the office. So at the same time, we're all collaborating much more virtually. So that's had a big knock-on effect on our, the length of our working day and the pace of uh, work as well. And there are some bigger, more societal shifts that are influencing our time at work, how we think about it. For example, demographics have changed a lot over recent decades. And now in more than 70% of couple families with children, both parents work, which was never previously the case. And, you know, we have a rapidly aging population, which means more of us are juggling elder care as well. So there were things going on in our wider lives and, and relationships that impact our experience of time at work. We're also working long working days, but more working time is lost. There are many unproductive ways of working, unfortunately. We're seeing very high levels of sickness and absence and stress. Uh, of sleep deprivation, and a lot of people reporting that they're feeling really time poor, very time pressured. And a common thing that I hear when I'm speaking to people about their experiences of work or talking to organizations is that sense that life at work has speeded up enormously. We have workloads that feel very, very big, rarely, usually getting bigger rather than getting smaller. Um, and it's it quite task focused, really, to the detriment of time to sit and cogitate and uh, to think about things. And consequently, we're all a bit wired and tired and things like levels of loneliness are going up as well. So that's what people's experience of time at work is quite often like. There are some positives. It's not all a bleak picture. You know, one of the things a lot of people have gained very recently is more autonomy and control over how they spend their time at work or at least when they're working. But, you know, mm -hmm. they are also experiencing perhaps greater isolation, feeling less connected and more overwhelmed. And a, a lot of talk in the press and business, you know, publications, particularly late last year, that more people are quotes, checking out and quiet quitting. So they're going through the motions, but they're really not feeling that higher level of commitment and enthusiasm about their work. And I think a lot of that is down to how we're spending our working time and what that's feeling like for people. Mm. It's, it is a bit ironic, isn't it, that for, for years we've talked about wanting more flexibility and, and we've sort of, as you say, got stuck in lots of cases now, but seemingly to the detriment of a lot sort of people's lives because of exactly that uh, blurring of lines between home and work and, and you know almost because you can work you do um, and and it's not about finishing the day and going home as it was you know for many for many people for many years. Yeah I think that's absolutely right I'm really delighted that flexibility has become much more mainstream and more people have greater say over how and when they work. That's a good thing for lots of reasons. And I think it's also setting up this big challenge that I hear people talking about is that it's, it, it's contributing to longer working hours, 
somebody is always online sending messages asking for stuff you know it's becoming really difficult for people to switch off and I think mm. with the pace of work as well and the long working hours is that we get onto a you know a fast-paced treadmill at work and we're so busy running on that treadmill that we don't often stop to look at and ask ourselves questions individually and collectively as a team actually are we spending time on the right stuff should should we be working in this mm. way you know is it are we making best use of our time mm. you've got a concept of uh, time blindness what, what's that yeah so this is something i talk about in the book and it's essentially our failure to pay attention to how we think about and manage our time at work it's actually not something we talk about regularly or in a particularly pr productive or constructive way and, and that's for lots of different reasons um, we tend to treat time as elastic rather than finite we keep thinking well I'll, you know i'll do that later or i'll fit more into my day but actually, obviously, nobody has more than 24 hours a day and hopefully works for a lot less of, of that. <laughs> but we don't, what we don't tend to do is discuss the trade-offs or the priorities or what's wasting our time. And we're not very good at stopping things once they've started, even if they're not actually going to get us towards to where we want to be. So historically, I think the problem with our thinking around time and what we understand by time management is that it's very much been focused on the individual you know it's something that the individual does and it's within their sphere of control and and you know to make us all or help us all work more efficiently more productively well it's just up to the individual to to manage their time better i disagree with that i think absolutely we each own some responsibility for being mindful about what we're working on and how we're doing it and how long we're spending on it and when we're available when we're not and for communicating about that but we also are not working in a bubble and we're also highly interdependent in our work lives so the bit that we're not being good at talking about and which is contributing to this time blindness is looking at time management across groups and across organizations and seeing it as something that's very much shared and it's actually a phenomenal resource uh, it's a, a business asset you know it's finite how are we investing it are we investing it in the right things what's the return on that investment that we're getting and i think from an um, so that's from the employer point of view that's why there's a really strong reason to look at this more broadly across the organization but there are other reasons too you know we have broadly speaking only about a third of the employees as your own research has shown you know that are highly engaged and we don't rank as a country very highly in terms of engagement levels across the the world's largest economies and you know retention has been a significant issue and, and getting the right skills and keeping the right skills and keeping a diverse set of employees and i think that's becoming increasingly challenging for employers because particularly since the pandemic but i think it the roots started a long way back you know employees today are far less prepared to accept a long hours culture high stress culture 
for several decades throughout their career, they're much more confident about saying, actually, this is the kind of work life I want. This is the kind of sustainable mm. career I want or, or, or job that I want. And it is something that I think employers are needing to wake up to more and start having more open conversations and really looking at what's mm. getting in the way of people spending their time well. Mm. It's interesting, I was reading the other day about the, the um, trials in various uh, countries and, and um, organisations around four-day working week, which I, I guess is uh, quite enlightened, but also quite challenging for, for people to do. So tell us a bit about what people should be doing in, or what organisations should be doing in terms of managing time. How should they be approaching it? Yes. Sure. So it's a big question. So I'll um, I'll tackle it in in chunks. So in the book, I I talk about or I describe the six characteristics of organisations that use and invest and manage time really well. And I'll run through them really briefly, but then I can go on to explain in a more practical way, you know, what people can do differently. Um, so the characteristics that you see in organizations that manage time well are, firstly, they're really outcome oriented. They really focus on what it is they're trying to deliver and their leaders role model, what I call time intelligence. Um, very clear behaviours and awareness around how they're spending their time. Secondly, organisations are deliberately designed to help people focus on the important work and to minimise distractions. They are what I call actively aware, so they're really attentive to the kind of healthy collective habits and working practices and physical and virtual environments that they're creating. They're career committed. In other words, they really promote careers over the longer term. And to the point I was talking about earlier about kind of personalizing people's experiences and, and working patterns much more, they're, they're starting to offer more tailored what I call time deals, you know, tailoring how and when people work and including kind of benefits and rewards as well to encourage certain certain things. Um, fifthly, they're community cultivators, so they really explicitly value and spend time on fostering a sense of social cohesion and well-being and just time to build those human connections and really bring out the humanity or, or, that, that we all bring mm -hmm. to work. And then finally, they're what I call expertly evolving, so they prize experimentation and learning open-mindedness and they see managing time they see this as a long-term capability that they're building it's a question of okay we're going to roll out a quick initiative tick the box say we've done it and move on actually this is like a muscle that we need to build skills in you and confidence in using and so it's something they're always consciously paying attention to and consciously growing at mm-hmm mm -hmm. So sorry, okay, so you talked about the sort of yeah the six characteristics. So with that in mind, um, I would say mm -hmm. firstly, you know, look at you look at the organisation as a whole, at leadership and governance, at the org structure, at processes, technology, how you manage and reward people, and what some of the norms and behaviours are. 
and you know start finding out doing an audit find out what's working for people what's not what's helping what's hindering them and in the book i also set out 24 time solutions which are very practical things that people can draw on once you know the, the strengths and then the issues that are particular to your organization there's this whole what i call library of potential solutions to draw on to help you help p- people make most of their working time in future so you talked about time intelligence um can you tell us a bit more about that and how that can help um, with employee engagement yeah, sure. So I'm sure everyone's familiar with IQ, um, emotional intelli- uh, IQ intelligence and EQ, emotional intelligence. And I coined the phrase TQ or time intelligence because I think in today's, you know, fast paced, digital, always on world where work happens globally at the speed of light, um, you know, we do need to be much more mindful about how we're spending our time and have a greater awareness individually and collectively around our habits and our choices so time intelligence is something we can cultivate something we can train people on it's something that we can nurture through the the way we create teams and organizations and support them so leaders can can role model time intelligent behaviors, you know, being open about their own time choices, being mindful of the impact of these on others, you know, for example, when they're logging on, uh, how often, how quickly they're asking people to turn stuff around, um, how speedy their decision making is, and and whether they're bringing all the voices into that decision that they need to. And, And as a leadership team, you know, looking at how do we as a leadership team invest our time? What are the things we spend our time talking about and acknowledging? And what's the return on that? And what are we not spending time on? But actually, we should be. And uh, in conversations with leadership teams, often um, in people have, have started realizing that this is something that they don't talk about often enough. And even in the most fast-paced of businesses, they're realizing that actually we need to take a little bit of time to save time in the longer term. So there's a real return on talking about this together. So that's what leaders can do. And then there are actions that teams and individuals can do. And to briefly mention both, teams can have open, ideally facilitated conversations, uh, maybe a regular team meeting or a slightly longer workshop style session or you know, at an away day, where they're really reflecting on how they're working you know, what people need to work at their best, um, what some of their normal practices and assumptions are as a team, um, but specifically in the context of what they're there to deliver, their targets or their objectives, and what good performance looks like, you know, what will help them to achieve these goals. And having that kind of conversation can surface some of the things that frustrate people around their time at work you know the stuff that gets reworked unnecessarily and and waste time the constant interruptions maybe or pinging of collaboration tools that just that you know that distracts us when we're trying to do some deep work um you know not really knowing quite who's available and when you know actually talking about so when will we get together as a team and what will what, what will we do in person and what will we do remotely when will we spend time together and when won't we? And then individuals can, as I hinted at a little bit earlier, reflect regularly on their own habits, 
you know, what's helping them work productively, what's helping them work in a healthy, sustainable way, you know, what's, you know, from who am I spending time with to, you know, how am I making time for learning and development? How am I managing my boundaries? Where do I tend to procrastinate? I've got some checklists on my website that help individuals, teams and managers and leaders to, to start having some of these conversations and doing some of this reflection. I guess, I guess what often happens is people don't feel like they have enough time to spend <laughs> thinking yeah. about how to better use their time. It's a bit, it's almost chicken and egg, I think, in some cases. So yeah, what, I think what, you're absolutely you, right. Can, <laughs> so, well, and I was just reflecting as you were talking about how often in the workplace, if something hasn't been done, it's about time or, or you know, been able to fit it in or didn't have enough time just hadn't managed to get to it yet sort of it's like probably the, the the most used reason for not doing things when actually probably lots of sort of other reasons are in there too potentially could be but time just it, it, it is difficult for people to make time and find enough time but also it seems to be like an easy excuse but it's the natural thing to say isn't it when people don't do things how, how can how can we encourage you know teams individuals organizations to look at this stuff and not actually just think they haven't got time to think about time <laughs> yeah i think firstly absolutely we're all used to saying i haven't got time for that actually it's true you know none of us or very few of us ever get to the bottom of our to-do list every day there's always more stuff to cram into our working day or a day at home than we have time for so inevitably we are having to make some choices along the way about okay what we will do and what what doesn't get done i think what feels really difficult is that we're when we're in the full flow of work we're very focused on the thing we're working on or quite often what's coming in to our inboxes or the taps on the shoulder if we're in the office um, or, you know, or messaging. And we, we tend to get a bit reactive and, okay, I've got, to, I've got to respond to that. That's, I think, a big part of the problem for many people is that we've got into this very reactive way of working, which can totally derail our productive working time and, and feel like we, we don't have much control over it because we're just you know, responding to what's coming in. I think the other problem is, you know, everything feels very urgent. So it's genuinely difficult to differentiate between what's important, what's simply urgent, and what's truly true urgency and what's false urgency, which is really where we're just in a slight cycle of busyness. So, you know, there are things that we can do if you're a manager uh, or an individual. Um, so you can sit down, look at this stuff, regularly review it, um, there's some diagnostics you can do to uh, have a look at what some of your perhaps hidden norms are at work that around the way we do things around here that haven't been explicitly acknowledged. You can also have some one-to-one -one sessions with people just to find out what would help them feel more time rich, um, what helps them to be to work at their best and be more productive. I think some key points I would say are, you know, it, and it may absolutely feel difficult to carve out the time to do this, but actually to my point, taking time to save time, it, it 
will absolutely help people to feel that they are focusing on the important work, that they know what's expected of them, that they're being supported in working at their best. So they'll feel a bit more motivated and engaged to get it done because they've had some honest, supportive conversations around this. But it's also sending some very clear signals about actually this is, you know, the level of performance we need to deliver at. This is what a productive day looks like what we mean by productive, you know, all these things we don't tend to always talk about. We tend to run on the assumption that we've all got it and we're all on the same page. Um, so a few tips would be, you know, don't talk about this in isolation of the work that you do every day. Make it about the work that you do or your team does. Um, get some data. You know, find out, you know, it can be any kind of data from levels of engagement to well-being levels to um, diversity data, how long people are staying, you know, how long it takes people to progress in their careers, different demographics, for example, um, some performance productivity data. And then find an opportunity or, or an issue, but something that's very clearly linked to what you're trying to achieve as a team or an organization. And start small, you know, work with one team on, on one specific aspect of work and, and come up with and propose and trial some practical changes around how you're working, things that are within your control. And I absolutely recognize here that every team is part of a much bigger system and you can't change everything around the work culture more broadly. So focus on the things that are within your control. Pick a couple of metrics that you know, will really show you whether this, the changes are leading you to where you want to go and trial it. Uh, you know, if you need to, you know, get the support of a senior person, someone who absolutely gets the issue and, and is, is going to help open doors or smooth the way or provide resources for whatever you need. And just trial it, learn from it, adjust the way you're working, replicate the successes. Um, so make it about the work, start small, support the team. You know, and be bold. I think a lot of us, you know, are slightly trapped in this is the way we've always done it. So and we haven't got time to think up a new way. But just this can really help with some breakthrough thinking and really helping to build higher levels of engagement across the team. Thank you. Just got sort of minutes left. Somebody's listening to this and they're not the manager or the owner of the organisation or somebody in, in that sort of position where stuff is really easy if they're sort of <laughs> thinking we need to do something with this how how would you suggest they position this to go and sort of talk to somebody because not as simple as just saying well, we don't seem to have enough time to do anything around here um let's talk about it a nuance to how how you'd go and your manager or your team leader or or your organization i don't know your hr person or whatever it might be how, how have you got for them to to, to conversation? Yeah, sure. And I fully appreciate, you know, there's a big difference between saying, we haven't got time to do everything you're asking us to do. And it, and it sounds like a bit of a, a whinge versus trying <laughs> to initiate a conversation that feels constructive. It's going to catch their interest. It's going to get them to understand immediately that you are thinking about how to the business do what it's trying to do even better. So there's definitely some preparation you can do to initiating that conversation. I would 
you know, link it to a specific goal. So if you've had a conversation or you're aware of a conversation recently about something the company is trying to do better or an organizational goal, for example, closing gender pay gap or improving a gender balance uh, or ethnicity balance, um, something about the, the workforce, you know, find out what's on their agenda or what's what they're interested in, what they're trying to make happen. Get some some, data, some useful data, even if it's one or two pieces, that give a business example, you know, some robustness to perhaps the issue that you're trying to frame for them uh, or to them. And, you know, start with a proposal. So I think you say, look, you know, this is what we're trying to do, as I understand it. Really keen to help, you know, make this happen or to play my part or for our team to, you know, really deliver on this. This is what I'm hearing or seeing around what's holding us back in terms of the way we're spending our time. This is what's getting in the way, you know, whether it's unproductive um, working arrangements, it's uh, too many tools and technologies that actually mean you're fragmenting your time a lot or uh, pinging in notifications and distractions. Or maybe it's just you don't have a great environment in which to concentrate and do your work. Or another thing I hear a lot of is a lot of competing processes and initiatives with different owners that are all demanding bits of people time. You know, so, so get some data around that, whatever you can, and say, look, here's an example of here's some evidence. And then put a proposal on the table, say, I want to help, you know, try and tackle this. Can we find a way to do it differently? Let's start small and low cost, low risk, try a few things differently. And, and see what works. And I think that makes it much harder for business leaders to ignore and to say no to, because you've linked it to the business goals, you've provided some evidence, and you've proposed a hopefully low-risk, low-cost way of starting to shift the culture around this. Thank you so much, Helen. Thanks for your time today. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Lovely. And just to let you know, next week, Andy Gorham's back and he's interviewing Taryn Kalmeyer, who's from Remote Team Wellness, and they're talking about integrating wellness into work in an intentional and mindful way. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.